Welcome to Travolting. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Basements, the Dumbwaiter. Enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome, everyone, to this hey, week's episode of Travolting. Folks. As you just heard in that title, we are covering the film Basements. The Dumbwaiter. Specifically, the segment The Dumbwaiter, as we mentioned at the end of our last episode on Perfect, uh, which thank you all for listening, if you did. Uh, we it are only... wasn't a dumb movie, Perfect. It was not a perfect movie, but it was also not a dumb movie. This is a dumb movie. This is a dumb waiter. But uh, this is a movie called Basements, yep. uh, directed by Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. It is actually two movies. Shot independently, yeah. it's just packaged as one thing. As a result, we're only covering one section of it, The Dumb Waiter, which has John Travolta in it. Yeah, and uh, the two stories aren't related. Yeah, they're not related. They're just both adaptate. They're both filmed adaptations of Harold Pinter plays. Um, they just decided to package them as one thing. Cool. So it's essentially two movies. We're only covering one of them. Yeah. Because uh, we did not see much point in watching an hour-long movie that has no connection to anything we're doing. Yeah. Fun fact. I think I read in the trivia page that Harold Pinter? Yes, Harold Pinter. Um, said he actually liked John Travolta's Yeah, he thought this, this was had the best version of that character he had ever seen. Yeah. But these are fairly well-known stage plays, specifically mm-hmm. the um, the other one, which is called The Room. No relation to Tommy Wiseau's The Room. No relation. Um, but yeah, the this one's called The Dumbwaiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look up when the dumb waiter was written. Yeah, like the play, not the the script for this movie. Okay, the dumb ways of one I play written in 1957. It's an old boy. Yes. Uh, do you know how old John Travolta was in 1957? Uh, 1957. He, he would have been like three. Yeah, would have been like three. He was born in 1954. I'm proud. I'm glad you remember that. That was impressive. <laughs> well, I always have to like calculate how old he is during certain movies because yeah. I think I feel like that has a lot of context to it. So he was 31 when he did Perfect, and now he is 33. Mm. But yes, um, this is uh, this is a movie, a really uh, bad one. It was it's directed by Robert Altman. <laughs> yeah, like not a guy named Robert Altman, like the Robert Altman, the, the Robert Altman guy who directed Mash, McKim, Mrs. Miller, Long Goodbye, Nashville, Player. You yeah, know? these great movies that I love and that other people love and that I'm looking at a list right now of all of his great movies on Wikipedia. I gotta be real. I'm, I'm, I'm not huge into Robert Altman. A really good director. Yeah. I imagine he is. It's just, I, you haven't seen that many. No, I haven't seen that many Robert Altman films. You should, you should check some of them out. So we're not starting off on a good foot. Is there a very notable Robert Altman film that you can list off that I would Na- recognize? Natural? Nope. The long goodbye. Nope. What? Nope. He did the Robin Williams Popeye movie. Okay. I didn't see that. You claim to be a film fan, sir. Uh, I claim to be. <laughs> yes. MASH. Um, I watched like maybe an episode. No, that the movie, not the TV show, you fucking fool. I didn't watch the movie. The movie. It, he's, he's a very good director. Very good director. Is he still alive? He is not. He died in 2006. Oh, sad. But a very noble director. Uh, won a lot of awards, a lot of Golden Globes, Oscars, all that fun stuff. Cool. But uh, in the 80s, he decided, you know what? I'm going to start uh, making uh, <laughs> like 
<laughs> television play adaptations. Television play adaptations. Uh, adaptations the, of the classic plays. Directors go to die. <laughs> um, yeah, he did. He he resurged later, but this is you know just in kind of his, he, he he makes this thing. Um, number of film adaptations of plays. Uh, this movie was very difficult to find. I just had uh, an idea that I need to say it right now, what? or else I'm going to forget it. So we are going to talk about this movie. Yes. But I just thought of an even better movie what? about this. So you make a movie about John Travolta. Yes. The phys- the actual person, yes. John Travolta. The setting, the set of the dumbwaiter. Okay. Hear me out. John Travolta, actor who was big in the 70s and yes. his early 20s, right? Going through a slump right now, having a hard time. What does he do? He takes a chance with director who Robert Altman was already known at the time, right? Yes, he was very well known. Okay, so he, he this is like he thinks, okay, like I've had three flops. I need something. Robert Altman says, take a chance with me and do a play adaptation. And he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And he says, come on, do it, man. I promise you, it'll bring you back. So what does he do? He says yes. And basically, it's just the movie about his experience on The Dumb Waiter. Yes. It's called The Dumb, the Dumber Waiter. The Dumb and Dumber Waiter. Jim Carrey is also in it. Uh, oh. Jim Carrey as Robert Altman. I'm giving Jeff a look like yeah. we might have stumbled we're, onto something. We're going to make this movie. Okay. Anyway, this anyway. movie is very difficult to watch. It was, uh, you can only watch it, as near as we can tell, via VHS tape. Or on a VHS rip on YouTube. Yep. With Arabic subtitles. With Arabic subtitles. <laughs> and very difficult to understand what the people are saying. It's yeah. very low quality. Um, I have to give a shout out to our fans who might be involved with the ASMR community. This is a perfect ASMR film because you will fucking fall to sleep watching this film. You absolutely will. Like Tom Conti speaks with a very quiet ASMR voice. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Where's the gun? <laughs> oh, bear with me. Bear with me. Sir. Somebody put an envelope under the door. There's no gas. <laughs> Why is the dumb waiter coming down? And it's that for the entire hour. Like literally, Tom Conti lulls you to sleep. Lulls you to sleep. It's a great ASMR film. I would highly recommend you. But right before people go to sleep, just look up Basements the Dumbwaiter on YouTube. Hit play. If you got YouTube Premium, you should be able to lock your phone so it can turn off or the lock screen can go, but the audio will still play. Mm-hmm. If you don't have YouTube Premium, then you'll just keep your phone screen on while it charges. And then you just listen to. Sorry, yeah, our graphic you're... designer just walked in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Becca. I could be loud. <laughs> it's all right. But so, yeah, it's an ASMR film. Um, highly recommend people like just put this on you will fall asleep instantly yes it's uh um, nothing happens well like things happen but boring things happen yes but uh before we get into the movie i'm already putting jeff to sleep right yes. now talking about the film before we get into this movie um we're not gonna have too much to talk about we're not gonna have so i want to take this time to kind of just take a step back mm. look back at everything we've done Cool. And uh, just kind of talk about Travolta's career to this point. This is our episode 12. Yes. We're, episode 12. We're, ex- we're like one-sixth of the way through this show. We started this journey with The Devil's Reign in 1975, yes. and we are now 12 years later. Yes. 
And so I want to just look back at each of the things we've covered and kind of just draw a little di- of like a diagram of Travolta's career to this point. And for folks listening, if you're wondering, is Jeff stalling the episode right now to make it longer? You would be right. Yes. Um, <laughs> but basically, you know, we started with Travolta in 1975. He's yep. on Welcome Back, Cotter, and his first movie was The Devil's Reign. Devil's Reign. Very small role. Supporting role. I would say less than supporting, possibly. More of an extra. He's present. Um, yeah. But he's in it. He gets a credit, um, and you know, at the same time, Welcome Back, Kyle's starting to pop off. Off of that, he He's gets doing good stuff for him. He gets picked up by Brian De Palma, mm-hmm. another very big name in the '70s, who sees real potential in him. Puts him in Carrie, gives him a role. It's a small role, but it's important. He has great hair in Carrie. He has great hair in Carrie. Great hair in Carrie. And uh, you know, that's kind of his first big movie appearance. Yes, yeah. Devil's Reign. Not great hair. You can hardly see it. Yeah, because he's um, wearing a hood. He's wearing a hood the whole time. Carrie, though, great hair. Carrie, great hair. Yeah. And, you know, Carrie does well for him. At the same time, he's in Welcome Back, Cotter. It shows kind of his range uh, in playing a brute in that movie. Next is a t- he gets his first starring role in the television movie, Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Yeah, an interesting... Uh, a great episode of our show. A great test run. Yes. For him. Not his... It shows his limitations. It does not his show his limitations. his greatest performance. Yeah. Yeah, but it kind of sets um, it kind of sets up the rest of his career. He's working with a director he'll work with on his biggest success. That was Randall Kleiser. Randall Kleiser. Oh, he'll do Grease. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got long hair. It sets up plastic. like the the platonic ideal of what we're gonna of what Travolta is gonna think we want out of him, which is you know attractive male movie star, romantic interest, all this fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, which may not, which we're going to find out. It really isn't his best place to be. Not really. But um, Boy in the Plastic Bubble kind of tees all that up. Mm-hmm. He jumps into Saturday Night Fever right off of that, gets an Oscar nomination. First iconic performance. role in a feature film. Yes. I gets c- an Oscar nom. Iconic performance. He, like, how old was he in Saturday Night Fever? 19, 20? He's playing an 18-year-old, but I think he himself is like 20, 22. Something like that. Actually, because that came out in 1970, because he was 19 during uh, The Devil's Reign. Yes. And uh, that was 1975. So 1977. So he's 21. Yes. 2021. Listen, Jeff, you and I are both like, what, 24, 25? Somewhere around there. Imagine your 20-year-old self, 21-year-old self, and you're just getting into this acting biz. You do your first film, and you get a fucking Oscar nomination. How yeah. big does your head have? He had to be? an Oscar nomination three years prior to how old we are. Yeah. Which is insane. But yeah, he, he it's insane. He's invincible. I would think invincible. invincible at this time, yeah. Yeah. And, and Greece. And then Greece, working with Randall Kleiser again. Invincible. He's showing his range as an actor around this time. Santa Fever being like the ultimate example of that, how good he is. Invincible. Invincible. And then Greece being almost the tonal opposite of that performance. Yes. Where it's still out of flash and a lot of style. And like, you know, as we, you know, Lily Tomlin said, he's like a contradiction of masculinity and femininity. But instead and of like embracing his femininity, like he does. It's a movie that about Peter, embracing masculinity. It's about embracing masculinity. And I think that shows some of his range. It yeah. also sets up maybe what will be his failures later is not, is doing movies that don't um, like engage with him on that level. Right. Uh, he does moment by moment after, uh, Greece, which is it was disastrous. It was horrifying um, to watch, but that's that's 
is teeing up what's going to happen to him. And it's one of, even though that's the movie where that quote came from, it's a movie that's not interested in using him in any compelling way. Yeah. And instead just lets him flounder. Yes. It is a great, you, you said it great. You said a great phrase during the moment where it's not, his downfall quite yet, but it is a harbinger. Yeah, a harbinger of what's to come. A harbinger of what's to come. Yes. I think that's a perfect way to set it up. And, you know, moment by moment, uh, not a great hit for him, but it's it's a fluke. It happened. Not a great performance either. Not a great performance. Yeah. Uh, it, shows, it starts to show some cracks in the armor. Yeah. He's not quite invincible. He jumps into Urban Cowboy after that. God does bleed. It's just sad. <laughs> God does bleed. Do you bleed? You will. You uh, Snyder cut in on HBO Max now. For I, our audience, no, I've have not you, seen it. Just to engage with our audience, have you folks seen uh, Justice League Zack Snyder? Because if you haven't, um, we haven't. I, <laughs> we haven't at the date of this recording. Um, By the time this comes out, though, when's this episode supposed to premiere? Seven years. No, it's this episode comes out in like a month, I think. So, like, we're recording we will this probably in March. have seen it by that point. I don't know if I will. I, I haven't seen the original Justice League. I will. Ma- I. It's like in five parts, I think. So I'm just gonna. Last DC movie I watched was Batman v Superman Suicide Squad. I'm sorry. I haven't watched any more after that. Wonder Woman and Aquaman are pretty good. Oh, no, I did watch Wonder Woman. Aquaman's pretty good, too. You should watch Aquaman. I haven't seen Aquaman. You should watch Aquaman. You're not the only one to recommend it to me. I I have recommended so many people watch Aquaman. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to make a sequel to that movie. They visit all seven seas in the first movie. Like, what what do you do next? (laughs) Uh, You visit the Sea of Tranquility on the Moon. You know, maybe that's the plot. Aquaman is <laughs> it's like seven movies in one, and it somehow it it's good and it rules. There's like I don't know enough about it to disagree. There's a part with where you. they walk into the ocean and Pitbull starts blasting. It's crazy. I don't know enough to disagree with you, so folks, I, I'll take your word folks, for it. Let me let me let me segue a little bit off. Let me segue a little bit off. We're we're in we're in the kingdom of Atlantis right now. This is Atlantis Corner. Aquaman's the most buckwild movie ever. It's it's like. An Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. With Jason Momoa. Yeah. That is also Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And that it's about, like, you know, trying to reclaim the crown from a relative who doesn't deserve the throne. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also a war movie. Hmm. And there's also a bunch of business about romance. Hmm. And then Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins herself. Voices, Julie Andrews in this movie? Voices the Kraken. Uh, okay. She's the voice of the Kraken. <laughs> um, Alrighty then. There's a part where they're like, we need to go to the Saharan Desert. And it's like, how are we going to get there? I know a guy. And then it cuts to a beach. And you just start hearing Pitbull rapping Africa by Toto. Can you demonstrate? Uh, He's like, I've been oh, let down, left down, set for dead. I don't know the lyrics. But it's called Ocean to Ocean. You can watch. It's a great song. Okay. Uh, Pitbull, great artist. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide himself. More like Mr. Oceanwide for this movie. Compared to John Travolta's collaboration with Pitbull. We're not, we're not talking about John Travolta's collaboration with Pitbull yet. That's, that is to come. Okay, I don't, we're okay. not talking about All that right. yet. All right. Uh, Pitbull. In, yes. A great. Watch Aquaman. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. What movie were we talking about when this We were out? talking about Moment by Moment, which is why we got talking about a much better movie called Aquaman. Um, moment by Moment. Terrible movie. Yes, terrible movie. Don't watch it. It is Urban Cowboy. Urban Cowboy. Um, A refresher after Moment by Moment. A moderate success for him. Yeah. I think if you watch Moment by Moment and then Urban Cowboy, you will breathe a sigh of relief. As I said last week, it's a solid double or triple, not a home run. Yeah. But it works for him. He gets, you know, he's good enough in it. 
It's yeah. pretty much a center for both Cowboys and Deborah Ringer. A lot of problematic bits about it, given for yes. the times that it was made in. Yes. But, it, um, it's a movie of its time, back when movies could be about guys having to learn. You know, maybe women, you know, do maybe, deserve maybe to be treated like people. Maybe you shouldn't beat your wife. Yes. <laughs> These movies with bold claims Maybe, like maybe, Maybe you should, you know. Uh, the 1980s were a wild time. Wild time. I wasn't there, but. Neither was I. Our parents were. I'm sure they had a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Urban Cowboy, he's working his way through it. Uh, sports after, a mad beard. Yeah, he sports a mad beard. In Urban Cowboy. That, for that, like the first 10 minutes. That's the real like achievement of Urban Cowboy. That you see John Travolta with a yes. beard. Which we'll see again much I much fell later. in love with that man, yeah. and now he's gone. Yes. Oh, Danny boy. Yeah. <laughs> the pipes. <laughs> um, but after that, he jumps into what I believe both of us think is his best performance yet Absolutely. so far. His best movie. Blowout. Blow Another Brian De Palma collaboration. Yep. In the arc of it, if you don't take its reaction, in, it seems like it should be his pinnacle, like his peak. Yep. Kind of like the culmination of everything he's been working for. Mm-hmm. This extremely committed, devoted performance. Yep. It, with a great auteurist director, and a great movie. Absolutely. Great ideas. Yep. It's Timothy and Chalamet's Call Me By Your Name. Of all the people you could have used. <laughs> of all the people. <laughs> well, like, right. It's his first, like, really art housey film, because prior to that, he was in, like, Lady Bird, and he was doing a, you, a, more you, supporting are, roles. Are you, you, you just described Lady Bird as not art housey. It is art housey, but he's, like, well, he's he more mo- supporting role he's, in he's that. He's present in it. I'm saying Call Me By Your Name is like pinnacle art house role. movie. Yeah. It's his starring role. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Blowout's Blow fairly well-funded. I would not describe it as an art house movie. I would say <laughs> I, I would say it's a movie that would be called Art House nowadays. Back then, it was a mid-budget movie, which we don't make anymore. Right. Because no one wants to make a $40 million movie because you can make a $10 million movie or a $200 million movie. One of the two. Because the industry is broken. Yes. TV's but, where it's supposed to be right now. Yes. TV is where uh, the interesting... I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff in movies, but it, no one's fun in the mid-budget movies. It's sad. But yes, Blowout should be his peak, his pinnacle, and instead it becomes his peak for all the wrong reasons, it leads to a cliff. Yeah. It, it does not do well in it, the box office. It, it was way ahead of its time. Yeah, it's a little... Yeah, it's... People didn't like its depressing ending. And you know, uh, just one quote... I have to quote one of my film professors here. Again, I'm pulling up the assholery yeah, film, film school thing where it's they say, you want to make things ahead of its time, but not too far ahead of its time because you want to be alive by the time it gets appreciated. Yeah. If you make something too far ahead of its time, you're dead and yeah. then it gets appreciated. And like that sucks. Vincent Van Gogh, like whatever. It's whatever. So sad. Yeah. But this was ahead of its time and the it, it was a non-glamorous it's not glamorous. Yeah. And I think people at the time, especially cause we talked about like the seventies was a tough time politically for America. Yeah. And people are looking for some optimism, some hopefulness, yes. and this does not yeah, grant that. Blowout wish. did not accomplish that. And unlike so, Greece, which you kind of, unlike the previous role to movies where you kind of expect to have a fun time. Yeah. This was a real movie. Yeah. Didn't work out well for him. Yeah. And so audiences didn't take. Yeah. Travolta sees the rejection. Um, and he cowers and retreats. Like any normal person probably would. Yes. And it's just tragic. And he does a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. It's called Staying, Staying Alive. Alive. Well, He does <laughs> a follow-up to Grease. Not like directly, but he does another Olivia Newton-John collaboration. Yeah. Meh. Meh. 
uh, does Nope. Not that one either. He does another movie with his urban cowboy director, James Bridges, called Perfect. <laughs> Not a perfect movie. Yeah. You folks have listened to all our episodes on this, so I don't need to get too far into it. Yeah. But his career's in a really precarious spot right now. Yeah. He's looking for something to bring him back. He's not doing any, he doesn't do any major movies for four years at this point. He's looking for a life raft. He gets hit up by, I mean, you talked about this earlier, but he gets hit up by Robert Altman. Robert Altman. Very well respected director. Yeah. He's like, hey, John, doing this like TV play adaptation. Troll's like, a real director, this movie will at least understand how to use me, and I'm sure this will turn out okay. Sad. Very sad. And so the dumbwaiter part of basements begins. And there's a truck driving down a road. Are we going into the plot? We're going right in. We're diving right in. You know how much time we were able to squander with that? 20 minutes. Or 20 minutes. We got maybe 20 minutes of this summary. (laughs) This is a 58 minute movie. Uh, This episode, I'm curious if it goes longer than the movie's runtime. It won't. It won't. Um, so I, I'm struggling. I struggled to understand exactly what was happening here, partially just because it was hard to understand with the quality of the recording. Yeah. But also, we're, just talk about it now. Is a it's a set in the UK, in England, in jolly London town. Jolly London town. And uh, the quality of the accent you just heard coming from me uh, is still better <laughs> than the quality of the accent coming from our boy. Mr. John Travolta. Yeah, it starts. His with, accent uh, needs to be heard to be believed. You know, I, I I mentioned this earlier before we started recording, but I would put it on par with a small town community theater program for the newsies yeah. and some high school recent the, high school graduate. There's a quote in this where, he's, where Tom Connie's like, "What do you do for a hobby? What do you do for a hobby?" Because he talks quiet. And Charles is like, "I got me woodwork and me model boats." And it's like, oh, God. Yeah. It's, oh, no. It's not great. It's like Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven quality. Do you think he took, like, accent? No, I, th- I think he was probably just like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> after three like, after three failures and he cho- chooses. After a bunch of movies where he's never done an accent. And he's like, I probably could do it. He's like, I got this. I did the New York accent. I could probably do yeah, this one and it easily. is it's And it's real rough. And it's like, John... That New York accent I, was your native yes. accent. <laughs> we very much struggled to understand what was happening in this movie and also what the people were saying. Yeah. I read the plot synopsis for the play online, so I understand a little better. Can you read that for our audience? Because I don't know. And for me. Well, I'm not going to read the whole plot synopsis. In front okay. of we're going to have to, we're going to work our way through this and I'll refer to this as we need it. Okay. Well, so one thing that's interesting yeah. is two Oscar nominated actors in this. Yes. Tom Conti and John Travolta. Yeah. Tom Conti, very well respected. You know, he's 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 a character actor. Kinda. He talks with a very <laughs> slow and quiet tone. He got nominated for an Oscar for Ruben Ruben. Makes you fall asleep while yes. you are listening. There's a lot of like random movies he's popped up to in. Him. Uh, most recently, he's uh, he's popped up in. Do we say like uh, he was in Paddington Two as a judge? He was like, in Paddington Two. What an adorable movie! Everyone's watched Paddington Two, um, but he's also in The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh yeah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, this is when Bane like puts Batman in that underground cave prison. And he's like, <laughs> the vertebrae is split from you, your you back. You have my permission to die. You see the light into your eyes, but a man, and by then it was nothing but blinding. Hey Jeff, I yep. think you should stick to the Bill Clinton. Oh, it's all about my bane. 
<laughs> my, my, no, my bane was great. But Tom Conti was the no, guy, in the, the guy in the prison who like punches his back. Yeah, Bruce back Wayne's back shape. is like snapped in half, and the guy's like, "All right, I got this." He punches him, and he's like, "All right, in a month it'll be better." And, and like, it is. And he try, and then when Christian Bale tries to climb the wall, and he falls, and it's like, "I told you, no man can climb." And he's like, "If only a child could do it." It's like, but not just any child. A child born in the dark. The child of Ra's al Ghul. Of Ra's al Ghul. What a wild movie. Yeah. How crazy the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> it is a crazy one. How did he get back? Because they're in Jerusalem? He, he crawl, crawls out of the pit and he walks off and then he winds up back in Gotham. A lot of people are like, it's a plot hole. And I'm like, I don't... He's Batman. He found a way back. I don't care how he got there. He's Christian Bale. He, he's Batman. He can figure out a way. No, 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 Jeff. You don't understand. He's Christian Bale. He's Batman. <laughs> he uh, he can do a lot. Yes. He gained 70,000 pounds to play <laughs> the Sandworm in Doom. <laughs> That was a good. That was a good. That was a good onion. Article that was a good that. one. But um, yeah, Dark Knight Rises, very strange movie. I'm still laughing at that sad word. Yeah. Joke. Um, I have a friend in his letterbox review for the Dark Knight Rises. Is, is if you told me this whole thing was completely improvised, I would absolutely believe you. <laughs> um, Cole, that was a shout out to you. You know, I do oh. think The Dark Knight Rises isn't horrible. I enjoy the... I know, I, I very much enjoy The Dark Knight Rises. I thought it was all right. It's it's pretty good. It's got some moments. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's also got a lot of weird... It's like half an adaptation of Charles Dickens' novels. Half a Batman movie. Yeah. And, it's, and then somehow that has, finds a third half. A third half. Now, like there's 150% of a movie in a in a 100% movie. I'm uh, I'm drawing a really difficult thing there. I'm just falling asleep thinking about the dumbwaiter yes. right now, Jeff. Tom Condi in The Dark Knight Rises, also in The Dumbwaiter. He and... You're back. You're needs back. to be snapped back into yeah, so, so Tom Conti playing... Uh, what's the guy's name? Gus. His name is Gus. I, don't, I didn't write down any of the character names. He's Gus and Charles playing Ben. They're Didn't driving to this like house in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And um they go in and they sit in the basement. It's an old house. Ben Travolta just like lays in the bed and starts reading the Sun magazine. Yep. And uh, it's a newspaper, isn't it? It's a newspaper, yeah. Newspaper. Oh, oh it's just a magazine. And Gus is like trying to make tea. It's at this point I wrote down British accent. I can't understand half of what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and then and, subtitles are Arabic. And Travolta's like, Oh, put a kettle on. Put a kettle on? Um, Apparently Tom Conti didn't know what to yeah, say. He's like, "What does that mean?" He's like, oh. "It's insane." He's like, "Put the fire on the kettle or whatever." He's like, "No, you say you light the kettle." Yeah, you light the and kettle. It's like, no, it's not how you say it. You say, "Put the kettle they, on." They get into an argument how you t- say to put a <laughs> put a kettle on. Becca's giving us weird looks. Yeah. I think she's um, so impressed with our British accents. At this point, like, <laughs> at this point, I'm trying to figure out what this movie's what this movie's about. Uh, and I'm like, is this I, about I'm still a, wondering? I'm like, is this about a servant master dynamic? And but then it does not really dive too much into that. And then there's um, a dumb waiter. I would like to see like an actual like performance of this play put on, because I'm sure there there might be some business in an you actual. Know, there are. This is why I've never been into like plays, because like this is a to me. And I'm sorry for all my Broadway folks out there who are going to get really mad at me for this, but like you can't tell me this is not a stereotypical play. Like, just two guys in a room talking about something. Just two guys in a room. Chilling in a hot tub five feet two apart. Two guys they're in not a room. Get... And, uh, yeah, they're talking about... 
Um, you can just shove it in there. Just shove it. There you go. Thank you, Becca. She had to throw trash away. Um, so what were we talking about? We were talking about the two guys. Um, two guys in a room yeah. talking. That's that's a play. Yeah, and that's a play. And they're all, Did you see Fences? The Denzel Washington I, I Viola have not, Davis one. But you you know what plays typically are two guys in a room talking. Yeah, but like Fences is a family in a backyard talking. <laughs> like Th- that's what plays are. are they're like th- that's what the yeah. these plays are. To talk. So when people are like, oh, we'll do a play adaptation, I immediately I'm like, oh no. You know what? Two good play adaptations this past year though. What? Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom mm-hmm. and uh, One Night in Miami. They're two I haven't plays seen either that, of them. Pretty good movies. They're both on Amazon, I think. Oh no, Mark Rainey's on Netflix, but they're both pretty good movies. Yeah, um, and the play adaptations set in Wonder Room, both pretty good. Would recommend to watch One Night in Miami. It's particular. I rather enjoyed. Yeah, but um, this not so much. <laughs> this two, not so much. Yeah, they're 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 hanging out and they're trying to put a kettle of tea on, and they're arguing and the they argue about sports for a little bit. Do they? Yeah, they argue about sports. I didn't remember that. Um, Charlton has his thing. I was like, I got me woodwork and me mop boats. You got a man's always got to be productive. You always got to get things going on. He just bosses t- Tom around. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on. He's just very bossy, very rude, very mean, just like Urban Cowboy. Yeah, and he's he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's some good zooms in this movie though. Are there zooms in this? There's movie? a lot. There's a lot of like. Travolta will like lay down and Tom Conti stands up and like it zooms through Tom Conti's like arm to Travolta's face. There's some good zooms in here. I like a good zoom. Did I watch this? You you probably zoned out. It's it's hard to. And this thing has like a Twin Peaks ass score. Yeah, it it's does. like it's like synthy and like it it sounds like the first season of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, it does. It really does though. Yeah, and so these these two guys are talking. They argue about sports, and then spontaneously in this house that is supposedly abandoned, uh, orders start coming down through the dumbwaiter, the title of the movie, in the the middle of the room. It's just like the little elevator where you like put food on it and it carries it upstairs. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "This used to be a kitchen, in it. <laughs> I gotta go, go in it." And upstairs, there used to be a cafe and. Have we um, already lit the kettle yet? The, they they light they get the kettle like truly lit around this time. Okay, because that's when the gas goes out, right? Yeah. And then Tom says with his ASMR voice, "The gas is out." <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no gas. <laughs> um, the dumbwaiter just comes down, and there's a note on it for like some complicated food order. I just want to go back to say, well, does, what about the envelope with the matches? It happens around the same time. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> There's an envelope and it has matches that slide under the door. And, they're like, hey, and, and they freak out about it. They're like, yeah, who the, is that? Tom kind of grabs a gun. And I'm like, oh, are they hitmen? Is that, is that what's going I, on? I, I read in the synopsis that they're criminals. They're hitmen. Oh, they're hitmen. They're hitmen. They're more than just criminals. They're hitmen. Because yes. that's the end of the movie is the, the hit. And is the hit? What? Wait, Really? Yeah, you you watched this movie, didn't you? I did. You know what happens at the end? Yeah, he. Spoiler alert: he, he shoots Tom. Yeah, that's, but, that's, is that the hit? That's the hit. He was contracted to hit to kill Tom the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the. Uh... I literally. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you not get that? No. I just Did thought. all of the scenes in Travolta pointing a gun at Tom not sell you on this? No, literally, because, like, what happened? We're Folks, jumping. literally half this movie is John Travolta <laughs> pointing a gun at Tom Conti and, like, in when he's not looking. And the other half of the movie is Tom Conti getting shot. I literally thought that what happened at the end was Tom got scared and left. And then they were worried about the guys upstairs. There are no people upstairs. What? That's that's the really weird thing about this. Who was setting the dumbwaiter down? Exactly. Oh, spooky. Oh. I can't tell if you're yanking my chain or if this is real. No, I'm I'm being dead serious. I mean, the ghost stuff is this movie. This from what I can get out of this, this is a very metaphorical thing. A lot of this is not like, and that's what makes the movie version so hard is you don't get any of this. Yeah. It's like kind of just a metaphor. Should we have watched The Room like to understand the context a little bit more? Like, the Room has nothing to do with this. I know, it's but like... To get, to get Harold Pinter's style? Yeah, there? maybe. Like if we un- watched The Room and got the style, would this movie have made more sense? Perhaps. <sighs> um. Here's the Wikipedia thing. One interpretation is that this play is an absurdist comedy about two men waiting in a universe without meaning or purpose. Waiting in a universe? Yeah, without meaning or purpose. And, like, the whole thing is just kind of metaphorical that these orders are just coming down from on high for things they can't accomplish. Um, all the while, they're just waiting for the inevitable end where one of them kills the other. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of like <sighs> attempt to examine this on this Wikipedia. Um, it just hurts my head trying to think any deeper about this movie because I just I want to I want to watch it again for the sole purpose to fall asleep to it. <laughs> it. I'm not kidding, folks. It really is a lullaby movie. It, it's a it's a ve- it's very calming. To, Have to, you seen Phantom Thread? Yes. There's a scene in Phantom Thread when he's like taking uh, her measurements. I simply do not have time for distractions. What? That's the quote in the movie, isn't it? Uh, well, I it, do not have time for this this morning. Well, it's like he takes her for measurements, and it's a it's a famous ASMR scene when he's like measuring her and like trying putting on different fabrics on her and like figure trying to design a dress, and he's like too serious. Like he says that in such a calm voice, uh, mm. uh, Daniel Day Lewis. He's just like too serious. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, this is quite nice, quite nice. And, he, and the fat and the sounds of the fabric and the yeah. the sounds of the footsteps on the wood and floors and like it's and the the sounds of like the needles puncturing the fabric like it's very ASMR like. Yeah. And and it, there's like you can look go to YouTube type phantom thread measurement scene and I guarantee you'll find like nineteen videos that are about phantom thread ASMR. I literally zoned out as you were talking about. Well, that. that's what I mean. Yeah. Like this movie um, is that. This yes. movie is that. The entire movie is that. Yes. Um, so yeah, these these two guys are in there. They're talking about random stuff. They get an envelope matches from an unknown force. They're getting orders coming down through the for dumbbell. food that they need. It's like there's a restaurant upstairs. Yeah. It it's almost like this. It's all metaphorical, and I it, it flew over my head because I needed to. I need to see like. Another, I need to see a good adaptation of this play to understand what's happening. Part, I think it was partially just the barrier of not understanding half the dialogue, that it was low-quality recording. You know what's a better movie about 
two souls finding their purpose in the universe. What? Pixar Soul. Soul, pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Deals with some of those. You know issues. what it's about? It's about soul. About a soul. P- Pixar has been getting more and more uh, meta. Over the- First, I was like, what if toys had souls? What if toys had feelings? What if monsters had souls? What if ghosts? What if skeletons had souls? What if feelings? What if feelings had souls? And now they're just like, what if a soul, soul had, had a soul? soul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally don't know how they can make any more Pixar movies. They should shut the company down. They 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 hit their apex. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what they do. It's going to be, what if an atom as part of a soul had a soul? Ooh, like particles and quarks? Yeah, it's going to get into particles and quarks and shit. Oh, God. It's going to be about atoms being the building blocks and all that. Eventually, they're going to make a statement that God doesn't exist. Yeah, eventually, eventually, Pixar's are going to make a movie called God's Not Real. <laughs> God is no, dead. God is dead. It's gonna, <laughs> but it's going to be the same poster for the God's Not Dead. It's going to say, God is dead. God is dead. And instead of the girl, you know how in the poster for God's Not Dead, there's the girl putting the N up? Putting the N up. Yeah, it's going to be like a cute little Pixar thing. A Pixar demon putting up the uh, the is is dead. God is dead. They're gonna um, be they're gonna make such an atheistic claim. It's gonna make a yeah. schism in like their audience. Community. It's still gonna be like as cute as a normal Pixar movie, but it's gonna be entirely about the cold like harshness of the universe and and how it it's not designed it's fu- intelligently, like futile yeah. existence. And at the end of the movie, an atom which is drifting out into yeah. the uh, um, the uh, there's a void in the universe. Yeah. It's called the um, you know what happens at the end of it actually though no hold on let me keep this train going uh there's a there's a specific void in the universe and what voids are is meaning it's like there is like it's like a pocket of space where there's no stars yeah meaning it's just pure blackness yeah there's just nothingness so what's going to happen at the end of this movie is a particle finds itself particle with feelings with a soul so it has a face drawn on it is wandering in the universe and it's like where am i what's happening and they say like this is this is the outside. Everyone wonders what's the outside. This is the outside. And we focus too much on the outside when we should cherish what's on the inside. Yeah. And then you know what actually happened at the end? What? After that, it does like a super fast replay of the rest of the rest of time. And it's just the big crunch happening in the universe collapsing, collapsing in on itself. This and this is all set to a new Randy Newman tune. He's just like, <laughs> he's like, he's like you you're seeing like the universe is condensing and collapsing and life being snuffed out as Randy Newman's like, Yeah, there's no reason to be alive, but I gotta have this inside. <laughs> <laughs> and then it all colla- con- yeah. condenses and collapses onto a single bright orb. Yeah. And that's when the final cadence of the Randy Newton song yeah. plays. Ba-da-ba. And then the orb disappears. And, and the orb disappears. The the and then credits. Yeah. Dir- we, we just wrote Pixar. Directed by uh, Brad Bird. <laughs> I don't know. Brad Bird or no, An- Andrew Slater. Andrew Stanton. Andrew Stanton. Pete Doctor. Directed by Pete Doctor. That'd be Pete Doctor. That'd be he Pete Doctor. Um, but yeah. um, he did Soul, Inside Out, Up. Monsters Inc. All like the really metaphysical ones. Interesting. Interesting. What did Andrew Stanton do? Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, and Wally. He's more of the family, finding yourself sort of thing. Yeah, he he's I like him. I like his Wally. He also directed episodes of Stranger Things. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And John Carter. Who is the other guy? The um, very big name. I think he John did the Monster. Toy Story. Yes. Also Hug and Bear himself, who got fired from the company for inappropriate uh, actions. Oh really? Yeah. Did this happen recently? This happened like three years ago. <gasps> I, I you, you know how in lots of in Toy Story three there's lots of hug and bear, 
who just walks around and he's a big jolly bear and he just hugs people. That was John Lasseter. John Lasseter got fired because he would just go up to women and hug them in the office. Oh. Uh, so try watching Toy Story 3 again with this knowledge. So this was three years ago and he hasn't been back? He's not been back. He's working at like Sony, I think, or DreamWorks. He's working somewhere What else. did he do before that? Like what were his main things? He did Toy Story 1 and 2 and Cars 1 and 2 oh, and Bugs Life. Oh. oh, Bugs Life. And those are all great movies except for Cars 2. Um, and he didn't like do anything aggressive, but he was still being very inappropriate. Yeah. It was just inappropriate behavior in the workplace. Um, and justifiably, he no longer works there. Yeah. Um, who, um, who took over three and four toy story? Uh, toy story three was Lee Ungrich who also did Coco. Great. That was uh, toy story three is amazing. Yes. And toy story four was by Josh Cooley who was co-directing with John Lasseter when he got fired. Gotcha. Um, what do you, what do you, which one's your favorite, three or four? Um, Toy Story 2. Uh, no, I'm just, I, I understand. But Toy Story 2 is the best. It's one of the best, like, Toy Story movies. 2 is really, really good. I, don't get me wrong, but let's just look at three and four. Three. And I'm only asking that because there is debate with three and four. Yeah, three is better than four. Four is, four is my least favorite. I like, really? I still, I still like it. Four but is the most beautiful. It looks really nice. I, you can't deny that four is the most beautiful. Oh yeah, it, it looks really nice. And there's so many beautiful images. Yes, it is an it is a gorgeous movie. Gorgeous, and but you think story wise three rules. Th- three is so much better. Two is the best, but three. Why do you, why do you like two more than three? D- two is the most amazing movie ever made. Just it's ex- a movie explain. all that. Um, the Jesse storyline is fantastic. The Jesse storyline, the Woody storyline. Watch that movie. The Prospector. Wa- no, here's the thing. Watch Toy Story th- 2. Okay. And watch how every scene ends with a shot that match cuts or segues directly to the next scene. Hmm. It's literally every scene in that movie ends like that. Wow. It is amazing filmmaking to watch. Yeah. In action. Yeah. But Toy Story 3, the end of the Andy saga. It makes me cry, you know. But you, I am, but you I'm, still think 2 I'm, is I'm a grown-up baby, so... Well, we we're Andy's age. Toy Toy Story Two is an extremely adult, mature like exploratory. I don't want to say it. it's still a kids movie, but it's a it has a very strong inter like way of looking at you know nostalgia and mm-hmm. growing up and yeah all this stuff that I just find very powerful. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but you two is still better. Two is the best. Yeah, I I recently went through all the Toy Story movies. It's okay that we can talk about this because. Dumbwaiter's dumb. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it, but I think this is important. I liked... So... How do we even get on this? I forget. I don't remember. We were talking about Pixar. Oh, yeah. We got into soul Pixar now. Because Dumbwaiter's metaphorical for two souls in the universe, and we talked about yeah. souls. So I'm going to say something that I think might be a little bit controversial to the audience, which is when Toy Story 4 came out, I planted my flag and said, this is the best Toy Story movie. I love Toy Story 4. throw you out a window. I think I was just so enamored by its look. Just, I mean, it is unequivocally, like the images without the context of the story can make you cry. And then adding, it's still a good story. It's still a good story. So when you add those small pieces in addition to this beautiful imagery, like every shot makes me want to cry for how the beautiful craftsmanship of it. Mm Toy Story is I, is like our great existentialist saga. I just, <laughs> I, I love about the nature of being. And then you know, I do like the idea how like Woody has to go through this existential crisis of like, 
not being a favorite anymore, not being the go-to. And he has then he to has find to, happiness in himself. And yes, in his self and buzz with his conscience bit. Like yeah. literally buzz finds a conscience. Yes. In Toy find Story your 4. Inner voice. And he brings a toy to life and then raises it as his own child. Toy Story 4 Woody is, is a dad in this movie. Yeah. Toy Story 4 is a movie about finding your inner self. Whereas the first three are about like making yourself available to others and discovering like what the nature, what's the purpose of living. And Toy Story Four is the movie that kind of flips it on its head. Um, because for, in the first three, they're all the first about, three is about it's about living for someone, self sacrifice for the betterment of your loved ones. It's about trying to find a purpose. Yeah. In a world where you are only there to be used. Yeah. And Toy Story Four is the movie that's about. Maybe there's um, maybe there's something else for me out there. There's a point of living for yourself too. Yeah, I attach to that. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's a good message. I have some problems with Toy Story Four. I don't think it's as like completely cohesive as a movie of the first three. I still like it. Really? Yeah, I still like it. Yeah, like I enjoy it more than I don't. And I liked the uh, what's the girl's name? The new owner, um, Bonnie. Bonnie. Yeah. I liked Bonnie. Like just you know, it's not not mm. as like super influential as andy was because again yeah. i i said earlier andy was our age but i actually think andy's older than us and he's because 2010 he goes to college yeah. i was starting high school so you, you know what does kind of uh you know what rolled about toy story 4 though what i saw it in dolby atmos um and i'm not i'm not gonna talk about any like normal sound stuff tim allen's bass in his oh, voice oh yeah i've never heard I mean, Tim Allen is whatever. Well, Tim Allen has a deeper voice than Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tim Allen is whatever. We're going to talk about him when we get to Wild Hogs in the show. But yeah. um, and, and we'll probably just talk about how he used to be a, a coke runner and like ratted out his friends and yeah. then and became a family a, comedy guy. Now he's a biker. And, and then he became a biker and now he's like talking about how like Donald Trump was the best thing for this country. It's it's whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Tim Allen, uh, his voice, the bass of it, is really ooh, good. I've never heard a man sound yeah. better in a movie theater. Um, So... Finishing my point, like when Toy Story 4 came out, I fell in love with that movie right away. And that was, and that, but then recently, I want to say three, four months ago, I rewatched all the Toy Story movies. I do agree, two is better than one. Um, one, while being amazing, two is better than one. But three got me a little bit more emotional just because it was very much about stages in life. That's kind of the message mm -hmm. that I've got on it, where it's, they're all thinking about what is next, what mm -hmm. is next, and whether that's the attic or the trash yeah. or the daycare or a new owner. Andy from high school, the college, moving on, giving his toys up. And like all of those moments fade away like tears and rain. Sorry, had to bring, okay. sorry, had, had, to, had to bring the Blade Runner thing. But no, I, I do think, and then I watched Toy Story 4 after it, but. After the end of all four movies, I was still thinking about three. Yeah. And I was thinking about Andy saying goodbye to his toys. The slight, slight, slight glimmer of hope that maybe he sort of sees like a, a, a being within, like not even like, like a presence, an emotion mm. that's with those toys. Yeah. He doesn't quite know they're alive, but he knows like there's an, an important presence with those toys in yeah. terms of his upbringing. I know I went on a huge thing, but all to say that after rewatching them all, I ended up rethinking and now i believe that toy story 3 is the best um, i'm gonna do uh my rankings probably two three one four um three and one interchange um two and f mine is three four two one four and two interchange 
But four, it's just the images in four. You cannot deny. Yeah, but if I I think that there's so much more good story and thematic in two, uh, and then. I don't know. You know how we're having a really impassioned conversations right now, debating the Toy Story movies um, in the middle of this dumb waiter. I don't so. want to. I don't want to yeah. leave this though, Jeff. It, I know this, we have to. This but is I also don't the first time we've had like probably an impassioned debate on the show. I and it's about something we're not even covering in the show. I don't, I know we were because we have to go mostly back to the been dumb. in lockstep and agreement about every movie we've covered. Yeah, and I I I mean I respect. I yeah. do agree. I know exactly why. Toy no, Story I think 2 would I be think you're absolutely wrong. A charlatan and should <laughs> and should eat the curb. <laughs> I just want the audience to recognize that here I am acknowledging and appreciating Jeff's stance, and then he yeah, and fucking Stuart's, rails Stuart, yeah, me. Yeah, Stuart's just wrong. It's fine. <laughs> All right, uh, tweet. It's fine. We we can't tweet have at pe- us. People can't be right in this world unless other people are wrong. So. T- tweet tweet at us uh, at Troll Team Pod or comment on our Reddit or comment on our YouTube channel, whichever one, and say who. Wh- what is your favorite Toy Story movie? Yes. Do you agree it's with Jeff? Toy Story Two. Uh, you. you it's Toy Story Three. It's Toy Story Two. It's Toy Story Three. Yeah. I appreciate you. I respect your opinion. I just think Toy Story Three is better. You know. You know what a movie is though. The Dumb Waiter. I can't even say good movie because it's not. But um, <laughs> well, that was yeah. a weird transition. Yes, you know what a movie is. <laughs> you uh, didn't even say like. But here's here's what you could have done, Jeff. You could have said, but you know, the Toy Story movies aren't dumb. But you know what is dumb? The Dumb Waiter. The Dumb Waiter. See, I yeah. just gave you one. But anyway, so these these two guys, they're hitmen. They're hanging out. Um, they're they're trying to send food up. But they don't have the food, so they just send like a bag of crisps and bread and shit. First off, they call it crisps. That means you yeah. know they're British. In case you couldn't tell by the accents. In case you couldn't tell by the accents. Yeah. I couldn't tell. It yeah. was, wasn't until they said crisp. I'm like, oh yeah, it's British. Oh my God. But um, <laughs> So they send that food up, and then they find like a talking pad or talking. It's like a, a cable with like a thing on the end of it. And there's like a little cork. Oh yeah, they're able to talk to whoever yeah. is upstairs. It's, it's a talking like... Is it a metaphor for religion? <gasps> yeah, they're talking to God. It's um, a Cain and Abel story. Maybe. It's the Cain and Abel story. No, no, no. Hear me out. So, John Travolta is Abel. Everything he does turns to gold. He is the perfectionist brother. Mm-hmm. Whereas, well, actually, no, that doesn't make sense because... Yeah, get get, get wrecked. Okay, so it's, take out Cain and Abel. It's just a metaphorical allegory for religion with humanity's relationship to god with god sending us these unfulfillable deeds and tasks that we can't do because we don't have the the tools the mental tools and resources to accomplish that and see this is why pixar is making god is dead (laughs) the movie and so and it turns out to cause this this request i'm getting passionate about this yeah this request for us to fulfill these deeds tasks that are that are sent to us from on high Causes a schism within the relationship of humanity, causing bloodshed. Mm-hmm. Boom! Religion causes sure. death. Yeah, um, God is dead. Yeah, they, they get this old talking cable thing. I'm an atheist, by the way. And uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm completely blind. Gus. Tom Conti pops the thing off and it has this like comical like, boom, sound of it coming off. Yeah, it's very funny. But he talks into it. And he's like, "Hello, is anyone there?" And he hands it to Travolta, and Travolta's talking. He's like, the guy said the crisp. God <laughs> the, only talks to one. The, the bread was moldy. <laughs> God, God only talks to, no. notice that he, Tom doesn't have the a bre- communication with God. The bread was moldy, the wine was stale. <laughs> only Travolta does. And what Travolta gets back from God, here's the thing. 
do we know that's what God was saying to John Travolta? No, no. John Travolta is no. He's just he he could be just like you know they could be saying oh well we actually wanted this and then what John Travolta says is just at the expense of his brother in a sense. Yeah. I'm loving this. I'm actually kind of... Stuart's, uh, Stuart's actually getting into this movie. I'm actually kind of getting into it, like thinking um, about it metaphorically now. This my, movie really bothered me. Literally, but... my last note was that the the effect sound when he pops the cork off the thing was funny. So I'm I'm flying completely blind with no notes right now. Uh, my, um, my last note was, the resolution is so bad I can't see his hair fairly well. Worse than blowout. Oh yeah, the hair ranking. Let's put this on the hair ranking. Yeah. Um, can you pull up the list? Yeah, I have it up. What is, all right, so his hair, I don't remember his hair. Um, let me bring it up. Yeah, this is exhilarating. We can't even, we're doing the hair ranking, we can't even remember it. Well, I know it wasn't horrible. It was just like, the movie is so bad it affects all of my decision making for, for, um, it affects all of my decision making for this, and I'm trying to be very um, unbiased with. I mean, it's got just normal. It's got normal Travolta hair. I want to say it was like on par with like adult Travolta hair, like in the blowout category. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't think it was as good as blowout. So, but I want to see like what is below blowout because I want to see if it deserves one below blowout, two of a kind. Put it below two of a kind above Urban Cowboy. Ooh, that's yeah. spicy. Just Urban Cowboy's wearing a hat throughout the whole thing. You know? You I, must really hate the hair in these other movies if you're Um, well, Basements isn't that bad though. It's just regular. Again, we're in the we're in the blowout category of regular John Travolta hair. Um, Urban Cowboy's wearing a hat. Boy in the plastic bubble, too out of control. Moment by moment, it's way too out of control. And then Devil's Rain is wearing a hood. Yeah. Again. I know it's kind of hypocritical of me saying I love John Travolta hair, and yet two movies where he has really long hair is in the bottom. But again, I like the form, the fitted John Travolta hair, and that's yeah. why Carrie and Steen Alive are in the top. Yes. If you do John long hair John Travolta well, it works. If you do long hair John Travolta poorly, it doesn't it, it, work. It ain't gotten him. Yeah. But yeah, so um. So we just did the hair ranking. Yeah, he check. This this business keeps having to keep arguing about food and Jeff. We're about to exceed the runtime of this movie. We're oh fifty three minutes. Oh my god, this movie's only fifty eight minutes. Fifty eight minutes. Yeah, and we, so we, we just gotta talk for five more minutes, yeah, and we'll have exceeded our, the runtime. We'll exceeded the runtime. Now, granted, how we, did we go for fifty three? Well, we had a long bit about Pixar and Toy yeah. Story, um, which I would do again. That's, yeah. That was fun. Maybe maybe one day we'll do the uh, the the Hanks cast. And... Well, I think there are movie there are certain episodes of ours. That warrant these types of conversations because there's just so little to what, talk what about. If the, but what if one time we'll do the Hanks cast and those would be? Do you think we talked about all the different actors that we want to do? What, we've, what, we've come what up was with your Stallone 50. zone? No, no, no. The, 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 the friend pitched that to me. Don't don't blow up his spot on this. You don't want to? I can't blow up his spot yet. We still got we still got like fifty episodes to record. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I just thought it was a good name. It is. It was a good name. It was a really good name. Yeah. And I think that was a good yeah. actor to do. Cole, good name. You came up with a good name. Good job, Cole. Um, I don't know this Cole. Yeah, I didn't want to blow up his spot yet. Uh, yeah, he pits. Yeah. Okay. Maybe later. Yeah. Um. Do we just want to talk about the end of the movie? Sure. 
<laughs> well, because I think one important bit to talk about is they're, they for, they formulate a plan for when somebody walks downstairs. Yeah, someone's going to walk down and they're going to kill. Oh, and this delivery, the lines in this is beautifully yeah. delivered. Because he's like, like oh, you're standing over there. Because <laughs> John Travolta's and walking it, Tom Conti through the plan. He's like, you're standing behind the door. I'm standing behind the door. The door opens. The door opens. A man walks through. You stay there. A man walks through. I stay here. Like, he's just walking yeah. him through the whole fucking plan. And, and then Conti accidentally... Leaves his gun. Leaves his gun in the dumbwaiter. And, and the dumbwaiter goes up. And Conti's like, oh, I'm gonna go get my gun. And so, Does he say he's gonna go get his gun? Well, he's, 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 he, 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 like, slips out the door. Yeah, he slips out the door. He's like, where are you going? It's like, for some water. Yeah, and Travolta's like... And then he gets a call on the thing. And it's like... And it's like, the person's coming you need to kill. And then Conti walks in the door looking different he has no clothes or he has less clothes yeah i didn't understand that and charlotte points the gun at him cut to black no we we pan up and we hear gunshot oh pan and up, then not cut to black and then cut to black and then cut to exterior of the house yeah john Travolta walks out john will walks out driveway a cleaning crew comes assumably a cleaning crew for the murder because yeah, earlier in the movie tom conti had been like when we do our business who who cleans up after us Oh, I missed that. And Trolta doesn't tell him because he doesn't know he's the one who's getting whacked. So, like, John Wick does this, too. Have you seen John Wick? Yeah, I've seen all three. Me, too. Good movie. Did you know he's thinking he's back? Yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. (laughs) Uh, The end of the third one is even better because he's like, how are you feeling, John Wick? And he just looks like pissed off i'm pissed off <laughs> uh the reeves cast yeah the reeves cast i yeah keanu crew keanu crew that's gonna be it <laughs> we're gonna do like 30 different the, these shows are like two-year projects and we're like we have 10 on the back burner. we're gonna be 80 years old talking yeah. about some the tom hanks one's gotta be called just hanking it just hanking it <laughs> yeah i don't know what that means but how many movies does he have? He has a lot. He has a lot. It's probably about it's comparable to Travolta. Yeah. But I'm, um, I'm looking it up. Anyway, um anyway. So yeah, he shoots Tom Conti and he dies, and that's the end. That's the end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. Uh it's some sort of exploration of, you know, the futility of the universe and the master servant relationship. Uh it's yeah, there's not much to it. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot to it if you were to watch like a better adaptation or a, a real stage play version mm-hmm. delivered by guys who aren't John Travolta trying to do a British accent. But as it stands, this is this is this ain't it. It's it's ain't it's it. rather boring. Uh, Tom Hanks has 88 actor credits. Holy shit! I mean, some of them are probably TV shows and whatnot. So probably things we wouldn't cover. Yes. As you know, we're not covering Welcome Back, Connor on this show. He does a lot of narration over documentaries. Yeah. I mean, we actually are covering a Tom Hanks narration for, uh, in this show. With the uh, uh, astronaut one, yeah. right? Walking on the uh, Magnificent Desolation, Walking on the Moon how, 3D. How, how, long are, how, much, how long do we have until we have to record that one? Uh, we have yeah. not begun our astronaut search we yet. We have a fair bit to go. But it's going to be a while to get our astronaut. No, we have to find an astronaut for that one. If anyone on this listening to this knows an astronaut, please. Please, please email. Let us know. Travolting podcast, podcast, podcast at gmail.com. gmail.com. We would like to talk to him very much. Uh, we have exceeded the runtime. Holy shit. We're at 59 minutes uh, right yeah. now. Folks, just listen to this episode instead of watching. <laughs> no, um, 
You could. Yeah, that's the end of the movie. That is the end of the movie. This movie got very mixed, uh, mixed to poor reviews. Uh, Travolta got very mixed reviews, though Harold Pinter did say it was his favorite performance of the character he'd ever seen. Yeah, which I suppose is the only praise you need. Is this Travolta's only Robert Altman yes, collaboration? This is only Robert Altman collaboration. <laughs> um, he doesn't do a movie again for a few years after this until the experts, which we'll be covering next week. Why do you think it was their only collaboration? Because you think if 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 it was, Altman, I don't think Altman works with the same people. Uh, uh, I, could, I could be very wrong. With yeah. That. But that would make sense, though. Yeah, Charlton tends to... I mean, he sometimes works with the same people, but not too much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's... Um, that's uh, The Basement's The Dumb Waiter, 1987. Yes, that is Basement's The Dur- Dumb Waiter. Directed by Robert Altman. This was p- not as painful to talk about as I thought it would be, Jeff. Yeah, this was not too bad. We had a good time. Moment by moment was a lot more painful. Yeah. I mean, this this we're, there's gonna be movies every now and again like this or moment by moment where there's just really nothing to talk about. We have to cover it because we have to understand the whole of Travolta to understand him. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was like a middle project for him. Like I wouldn't say this in between yeah. Perfect, which we covered last week, and then Experts, we're going to cover next week. I wouldn't count this as almost like a staple within as many films. I think this is like he had some free time and he did it. If if this is if if the Travolta we're trying to put together is a puzzle like mm-hmm. he's a puzzle and we're trying to piece him together and figure out like as our show is an investigation to figure out what he's really all about mm-hmm. like trying to understand his arc and whatnot yeah um this is a very small piece of that puzzle absolutely but you still needed to finish the puzzle yeah whereas something like blowout's like a huge piece yeah this is a little piece that like slides in next to it but you still need it otherwise you're gonna have a hole in the puzzle a small yeah but yeah a hole nonetheless um yeah, so yeah. That's the dumb waiter. That is the dumb waiter. You can watch it on YouTube if you're so inclined. Uh, as Stuart said, it's great ASMR. It's great ASMR. Yeah. Put it on your phone. Put it in your nightstand. Go to sleep to it. So yeah, thank you all for listening. Are we Stuart, ending this? Yeah, I, mean, I don't have anything else to say about the dumb we waiter. We just passed the hour mark. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about the dumb waiter unless you do. I don't. I really don't. Yeah. I could talk more about Toy Story with you. <laughs> the, no. Um, <laughs> I don't want this to keep going. Uh, we've already exceeded the, the length of the movie. What time is it? Uh, that's not that bad. I told Becca we'd be done by like 3.30 and it's almost 4. <laughs> oh, shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, damn. I'm sorry, dude. Oh, no. It's fine. We're, we're in no rush. We don't. She's been really patient. Yeah. And she's like, she has the car wash. For right. folks listening, we record. We usually record two episodes in one session. Yeah, but that's what we did. The, this was recorded immediately after our perfect. perfect episode. Yeah. And so she's been here for the entire <laughs> yeah, bit. entire time. So if you add up how long the perfect episode was, which we released last week, and then how long this episode is, Becca's been there for two extra hours because of prep time and wrap time. Yes. So yeah. A trooper. Uh, a trooper. <laughs> thank you all for listening. Thank uh, you. Make sure to turn in next week. We'll have an episode on The Experts. Um, a movie that Stewart's going to absolutely lose his mind when he sees Travolta's hair and no cheating. I haven't seen it. You have to wait until you see the movie to find out. I haven't out. seen it. Uh, yeah, we'll be covering that. You guys will listen to it next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode in the dumb waiter. Um, I know it wasn't our most exciting episode, but we hope you got something out of it. We hope you liked the toy story yeah. segment and we hope you'll come back next week for the experts. In the meantime, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube as a reminder. Hope you uh, tell your friends. Let them know this show is out there. Please and also do. tell them, follow us on Twitter or Instagram, at Travolting Pod. We're, we got some um, good content. 
yeah, we always have some good stuff coming up. We're excited to hear from you guys. When you, if you like the show, please let us know. It makes us feel really good. Uh, you can pop into our Travolting or, or into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Make a post. Talk about a movie. Uh, tell me your favorite meal at McDonald's. I don't know. Just do something. Um, find any comments or questions at Travolting to Travolting Podcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Find me on Instagram at StuartElmore95. Yes. Special thanks to Rebecca Johnson Love for you, Rebecca. graphic design and for sitting through these. She's and great. Michael Van Bodegum-Smith, as always, for the theme we music. Love you, you are now hearing. You are now hearing. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. See you next time for The Experts. The Experts. Bye.